Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. All right, let me pray for us now and we're going to jump right in. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to open the truth of your word. Uh, Lord, as we um, read this morning, as we study, as we think, as we pray, I pray you would just reveal yourself more and more to us. Lord, I pray we'd be challenged by this truth. And as we pray every Sunday morning, Father, help us to, to be changed because of what we learn. Father, transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles open to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. As you're finding John chapter 1, a couple of just housekeeping notes. Uh, last week we went over our 2020 budget. It's that time of year again. If you didn't get a copy of this, there's some out in the breezeway in the lobby around the church. Feel free to grab one right after this service. If you have any questions about this, go to the fellowship hall. We'll be in there to answer any questions you have, okay? Immediately following this service in the fellowship hall, if you have questions, I'll be in there. Chairman of the finance team, Kevin McCann, will be in there, can answer any questions you have. Also, this time of year is Lottie Moon. I talked about this last week or two weeks ago, but Lottie Moon was a missionary in China actually gave up her life serving the Lord on the field. And in her honor, uh, for the last many, many decades, churches all over America have taken what's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. The Lottie Moon Christmas Offering is money that you give that supports overseas missionaries. Now, 100% of what you give goes overseas to support those missionaries. And they've changed it a little bit this year, which I really like. Used to, we would send in our money, and they would, the Southern Baptist Convention, the North American... IMB, the International Mission Board, would determine kind of how to send that money out. This year, we can actually designate missionaries to send the money to, which I'm excited about. That means the people that we've actually partnered with overseas, we can designate money to go directly to them, which we're going to do, which means a large portion of what you give will go directly to our partners that we work with overseas, and the rest of it will go to other missionaries overseas sharing the gospel. So we'd love for you to be generous uh, this Christmas season, you can give all the way through Christmas. Our big giving uh, time is the Christmas Eve service. We come together and we'll let you give that evening. And then you can really give through Christmas and probably on into January before we send it out. We'd love for you to be involved in that and be really generous in what you give so the Lord can, uh, can use you to reach people all around the world for Christ. Very, very exciting. Now, here we are, December 15th. What, about a week and a half before Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? I ask people, I get a few thumbs up, I ask <laughs> thumbs down. Uh, I, I ask people uh, before all three of our services, and I get kind of a mixed bag there. Some people are ready, some people aren't. Men, I'll see you Christmas Eve at Walmart buying the gift for your wife. I know you've got the list already prepared and you've thought ahead. Uh, but it's that time of year, isn't it, right? We, we think about presents and gifts and family and, and time off work and traditions. And it's a fun time of year, and so we do a lot of fun things here at church. This has been a great week for us. Ladies, Tuesday night was, was phenomenal with Miss Carol Bray. Miss Carol Bray, we love you. You're amazing. If you don't know Miss Carol, yeah, yeah. 
She did a great job at the event. If you don't know Miss Carol, you should get to know her. Listen, it would be well worth your time to have her for dinner. Just invite her over or take her to coffee or whatever. She's just filled with joy, and she's funny. I mean, I'm telling you, she's got jokes galore. So prepare yourself if you invite her over. Miss Carol did a fantastic job, had a lot of fun that night. We had our mission celebration Wednesday night. Let me kind of tell you, I want you to hear this if you weren't here Wednesday night. I'm excited about our, our trips for 2020. We're going all over the world again. We're going in a lot of places in America. So there's a place for you to serve. We're going all kind of places in LaGrange and West Georgia doing ministry work. So if you feel called to serve, there's a place for you. Whether it's literally across the street or all the way around the world, we can plug you in somewhere. And we've done something a little bit different this year that I'm really excited about. We're, we're offering some different scholarships this year. And so we're going to, there's a couple of different things we're going to do. We're going to offer five full-paid scholarships. That's 100% paid for anybody that goes for the very first time. So if you say, I've never gone before, I've never really had the money I want to go, but I can't afford it, we're going to pay for five people to go. That's from the generous donations of the people of our church, by the way. So if you want to go and can't afford it, never been, we're removing that excuse from you, okay? Talk to me about it. Talk to Joe Fry about it. We'd love to kind of explain to you about how that works and what that's going to look like. And the other thing we're going to do that I'm excited about, we're going to pay for five children, that's 18 and, and under, to go if their parent goes on the same trip. So you say, I've always wanted to take my kid to New Day, or I've always wanted to take my kid to Guatemala or to New York, or we feel called to Alaska or whatever. If the adult pays the way, the church will pay for the child for five families. So we're excited about that. We're also going to do our $400 per person scholarship that's available. Uh, so you can praise the Lord for that, and you can be thankful that there are generous people that believe in missions and are kind of willing to put their money where their mouth is. And so we want to do everything we can to make sure that money's not, an, uh, not a problem for you. I know it's a lot, and that can kind of get in the way. But the thing you ought to be doing as related to missions first is praying about whether or not you're called. Okay? Because we've ne Now listen to me when I say this. We've never had anybody say to us, I'm really called to go and I want to go, and that haven't been able to go because of finances. It always just works. It's always just worked. And so if you feel called to go and feel like the Lord is leading you in that direction, we'd love to help you figure out what that looks like, uh, how you can go, and, and how the Lord can, can just do great things through you. And then uh, yesterday, I'm just kind of walking through this week. It's been such a fun week for us thinking about Christmas. Yesterday was our Fostering Hope. We brought in a lot of families and offered them some gifts. Uh, had a chance to talk with a lot of families. I think we had 34 families, 125 children, many, many gifts. This place was just filled with people and Rosemont people especially. Uh, but we do all this to share Christ with these people. You understand that, right? And so we do this cool stuff. We, we give gifts and, and we get to hear their story. But ultimately, we get to pray with these families, hear their story, share Christ with them, make a connection hopefully so we can continue to love on them and minister them. And we, we do all these things, all the things I just mentioned, because it's Christmas, right? Here we are. And, and it's easy for us to get caught up in the, the details and the excitement and the lights, and all those things are great. But man, when you take a step back and, and you just remember that the Lord sent his son to earth to live among us is just mind-boggling. Well, you don't find another religion where God steps into the mess and then dies for the people, oftentimes that don't even love him. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. And here we are celebrating all that Christ has done, the incarnation of Jesus, the, the, the greatest story ever told. Heaven meets earth. And by the way, this is fascinating to me, and I'm going to talk more about this next week, John 1, 14. 
where it talks about the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It's not as if Jesus kind of flew in in a helicopter and just kind of surveyed the landscape for a couple of weeks and then flew back to heaven. He literally moved into your neighborhood with you. You get that? He lived among us. And so this time of year, we try to remember what Jesus has done and what Jesus has given us. So we're, we're working through John chapter 1. We're memorizing it as the church, by the way. John 1, 1, 1 through 18, we'll say that at our Christmas Eve service. But we're walking through John chapter 1, and I want to kind of pick that up this morning. John Oliver did a great job a couple of weeks ago with the word, the, the eternal, creative, incarnate, final word of God. And so this morning, we're going to read again verse 1, but we're really going to focus beginning in verse 4 and following. So we have it on the screen. You can read it, or if you've memorized it, you kind of already know it. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. <clears throat> he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Let's stop there, and I want to kind of help you understand where we're going this morning, what we're looking for scripturally. There's a theme that really runs through these few verses in the prologue, the first 14 verses of the book of John. The theme is light. And so you see this idea of light. I'm going to point this out to you here in just a few minutes. You see this idea of light really throughout. So the first truth I give you and all the truths I give you are going to be related to this idea of light. But one of the first things we see in this text is that the light of Christ has overcome the darkness. Now, that's a truth I want to think through, and I want to help you apply to your life, but I want you to see it in the Scripture here, right? Because one of the things I, I really strive to do and I work hard to do is, first of all, to preach this Word to you. Like, I don't want to preach my opinion, and I don't want to preach things that are not in the Word, but the other thing I want to do is, as I preach it to you, I want you to see it and understand it with your own eyes. Don't ever take my Word for it. Like, make sure it's true scripturally. So I want you to see this idea of light in these verses. So let's take a look at it together. Look at verse 4, and we're going to work through just a couple of these together. Verse 4, John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was, the, there it is, the light of men. Now look, go to verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We'll come back to that in just a second. Look at verse 7. Speaking of John the Baptist, he was a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Verse 8, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, you don't have to have some sort of an advanced degree in biblical studies to understand light is important in this passage, right? It's found in verse 4, 5, 7, 8, and 9. In fact, in the Gospel of John, the word light is used 21 times. And here's what John does with the idea of light. He contrasts light with darkness. Now, when we think about light and darkness, oftentimes we think about the physical light and the physical darkness. But John is referring to the idea of spiritual light and spiritual darkness. 
So the way John explains this and the way John wants us to understand this is that Christ is light. He's spiritual light. He, o- he offers us hope and joy and salvation in the midst of the darkness of the world, the sin and all the ugliness and all the mistakes and all the evil of the world, right? So you've got the light of Christ in the darkness of the world. And oftentimes the, the way that John explains this is that without Jesus, there is darkness, right? Without the spiritual light of Christ, there is evil and there is sin. And so we see this in various different places in the scripture. In fact, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, you get a sense already of the idea of the light and the darkness. Now, you don't have to flip back, but I want you to listen to Genesis chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. The first words of scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And here it is, darkness, right, was over the face of the deep. Verse 3, and God said, let there be what? Light, and there was light. John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the judgment that light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil, right? John says, listen, there's this whole idea in Scripture, and we understand this to be true in the world, that darkness is real, sin is real, evil is real. Jesus has come with the truth of the gospel, with the light. But oftentimes, as he says in John chapter 3, people love the darkness rather than the light. Now, if we were honest with each other, if you were honest with yourself, and I hope you are, you would say, yeah, there are times in my life where I have... Uh, desired the darkness and sin more than I have the light of Christ. And so there's this kind of constant battle within our lives, right? We've got the darkness of the world, the sin of the flesh is the way the scripture explains it, this kind of battle that rages in our souls, the darkness, the enemy wants to continue to control and destroy the light of Christ that shines into that darkness and offers us light and truth. And we see John says, listen, apart from Christ, if you're not walking in the things of the Lord, you're going to be walking in darkness. Now, one of the things I mentioned missions a few minutes ago, one of the things we see when we go to, to different parts of the world, and there, there are two or three places in particular that I've had the privilege of seeing where the spiritual darkness is very real. And I'll never forget, we were in India several years ago, and I love India. I love going to India. India kind of grows on you. It's a very difficult trip because it's literally the other side of the world. The culture is different. The language is different. There are very few believers there. It's just a, it's a 180 degrees from the way that we live oftentimes. And I, I usually come back, and it's not uncommon for me to come back. And the first two or three weeks I'm back, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm never going back. I'm never going back to India. But the Lord works on my heart, and he works on my heart, and he works on my heart. And I've, I've kind of found this place where I just love going and, and love sharing. But I'll never forget... A few years ago, we were in the little town that we oftentimes go and work in. We were down by the river, and as we were walking close to the river, we came upon a snake charmer. Now, a snake charmer is legit, it's real, and they still exist in India. Uh, they're trying to do away with them. The government kind of frowns upon them, but they're still there in great numbers, and if you know where to look, you can find them. And when I say snake charmer, I mean there was a guy with a, with a big basket he pulls the lid off the basket, and probably a six or seven foot cobra comes out with his hood out and just kind of just, there he is right there, right? 
Now, this guy deals with this cobra, and they tell you they've removed the fangs, but I ain't getting close enough to test it. I'm going to promise you right now. But this guy will grab this snake. Now, this is a big snake, right? A king cobra is a large snake. He takes that snake out, and he wraps it around his head. It dangles down. It's crawling and slithering behind him up into his hair. It's just bizarre looking. And these people, and I've got video to show you. I'll show it to you if you want to see it one day. And the people that are walking the streets will come by, and they want to touch the snake. That's what they want to do. So they'll pay a little bit of money for the privilege of, of touching this snake, right? And so if you watch the video, it's kind of subtle, but you'll see it. They'll touch the snake, and then they'll do some sort of like a little worship, because that's one of their gods, right? There are hundreds of millions of gods, literally, and that represents one of their gods. Now, it's always fascinating to me, and I've seen it a couple of times. It's always fascinating to me to see it, because I think Genesis chapter 3. I think about the serpent entering the garden, disguised, or it's the enemy, it's Satan, disguised as a serpent, lies to Adam and Eve, and we know the whole story right there. And so what's happened now, because we understand, at least in Christianity, we understand who the enemy is, and we understand that he's going to try to seek, kill, and destroy. The Bible teaches that the devil now kind of disguises himself as an angel of light. That's what 2 Corinthians tells us. Because if the enemy showed us what sin really looked like, we'd never do it. Right, if the enemy showed us what sin really led to and the death and destruction and, and the pain and the suffering it will cause, we would never walk down that path. But the enemy knows that he's got to disguise it, and so he's disguised as an angel of light. He looks good, right? But it, just, it always strikes me when I go there and I see those snakes that the spiritual darkness, and here's where I'm going with this, the spiritual darkness is so great in that place in particular that Satan doesn't even have to disguise himself. He can still just be a snake and people will worship it. It's amazing. Right? Spiritual darkness is real. There is a spiritual battle going on. But now here's where we've got to kind of understand the truth of Christianity. Because we'll find ourselves, if we're not careful, in this dark place of worry and concern. The world's so bad. Things are spinning out of control. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Right? If we're not careful, we kind of fall into that trap. Here's what we have to do. We have to set aside our feelings oftentimes and our emotions. Those things are important. I'm not saying they're not important, but I'm saying sometimes we have to set them inside, set them inside when they lead us to the place of fear because the truth of the gospel says to us, and this is why it matters, that the light of Christ has overcome the darkness. You understand that? And so sometimes when you, when you feel like you just you can't stand up or there's not enough truth or things are too bad or the enemy's got to win, we got to set that stuff aside and hold to the truth that the gospel teaches that through Christ, he will overcome the darkness. You understand that? I had a long conversation with a guy Wednesday. He called me Wednesday after. He called me early in the week. We couldn't connect. And he finally called me Wednesday. We had a long conversation, a good conversation about a big decision in his life. And he just wanted to think through it. And he wanted to bounce it off of me. And we talked. And as we kind of worked through it a little bit, it became more and more evident to me that he was making his decision based on his feelings and emotion outside of the truth of the Word of God. And when I kind of understood that that was what was happening, and I kind of presented it to him like that, and we thought through what the Scripture actually teaches, the decision became pretty clear to him, Right? But sometimes if we're not careful, we get bogged down in this fear and uncertainty and we let our emotions and, and our, 
our, our thoughts and our feelings kind of go in the wrong place, and we ignore the truth of Scripture. And so some of you need to hear this morning, all of you do, but some of you that are maybe walking in a dark place, it doesn't matter where you are in your life right now. It doesn't matter the struggle you're walking through. It doesn't matter how deep the darkness is. The light of Christ always overcomes the darkness. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? Because it's easy to get mired in that darkness. It's easy to get kind of so scared and so petrified that we don't do anything. The light of Christ overcomes the darkness. Now look at verse 6. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And by the way, the guy that wrote the gospel of John and this John are different guys, right? This is John the Baptist we're talking about in verse 6. He, this is John the Baptist, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So the first truth is that the light overcomes the darkness, right? That matters. That's a big deal. But here's the second truth. The light of Christ has come for everyone, because it's easy to think, oh yeah, the, the light has overcome the darkness for most people, but not for me, man. Mm-mm. No, I'm, I'm in too bad of a place for the, the light to overcome anything I'm dealing with. That's not the truth of the gospel. The gospel says the light has come to everyone. I want you to see it. Pull up verse 9. Let's just see it. Let's make sure we're clear on it. Verse 9, John chapter 1. The true light, that's Jesus, which gives light to, everybody say it, everyone. Everybody say it. Everyone. That means you. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, John the Baptist was an interesting guy. Even for, for first century, by first century standards, he was different. Right? He was kind of nomad. He lived out in the desert. He wore camel hair clothes. Uh, he ate locusts like big grasshoppers, dipped in honey. Okay, whatever, to each their own. A little bit different, right? He was eccentric. But God used him for an interesting purpose because we see that in Scripture, right? Because the Bible says that John didn't just wander off there on his own. It wasn't some random act. It wasn't an accident. The Bible says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I did a sermon series several years ago. We called it Sent, S-E-N-T. And I worked through passages of Scripture where the Bible specifically said that he sent people to do very specific things. And if you're looking for it, you find it all through Scripture. God sent Moses. God sent Abraham, Isaiah, Paul, Jesus, on and on the Lord goes, on and on the Scripture goes where God would send these people out. But here's the thing he does that's interesting to me, and he does it with John the Baptist and, and so many other times in Scripture, is he sends out these ordinary people. He sends out ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things, and that's what he does with John. Because John's got a, a real clear mandate here in verse 7. Verse 6 says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Pull up verse 7. Verse 7 says, he came as a what? A witness, this is John, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. John said, listen, I'm, I'm not the light, but I've come to bear witness about the light. God has sent me, strange as I am, God has sent me to share this light with all who would believe. Now, I want to kind of apply this to your life right now. Because we as believers understand the truth of the light of Christ. We understand how, how impactful that is for us, 
We've experienced it. We've seen it. We've probably walked in the darkness and seen the power of the light. You know, it's interesting because uh, you walk around in the darkness and it can be a little scary sometimes, even as an adult, right? Like if you want to kind of be a, a little scared, come here late at night with all the lights off. It's kind of scary if I'm telling the truth, okay? <laughs> so I, I usually get it pretty early on Sunday mornings. And I, I, I mean, I keep popping. I don't know if that's me or not. I get here pretty early, and all the lights are off, and it's dark, and it's, you know, it's a little scary. I'm pretty tough, but it's a little scary. So I get my flashlight out on my phone. But this is the most, the most amazing thing happens. I walk into this building, and it's a little scary until I turn the lights on, and then it just feels good. It's normal, right? Darkness is fear. Light is hope, right? We see that in Scripture. But here's what we see with John the Baptist. John is this witness who says, listen, I've walked in the darkness. I know what it's like, but I've seen the light. I'm going to be a witness to you to understand that the true light has come for everybody into the world. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Like That's who we're called to be. We're called to walk around with this truth, sharing the gospel with all who would believe. But this word everyone is important in verse 9, right? The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, right? There's no qualifiers on everyone. That means it doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your, your language. It doesn't matter what people group you're from. It doesn't matter what nation you're from. It doesn't matter how wealthy or poor you are. You get that? It doesn't matter how big or small your house is. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. Now watch. It doesn't even matter the baggage that you bring to your relationship with Christ. Did you know that? Everyone. That's you. It's easy to think, man, I'm not good enough or smart enough or I don't have enough of this or I don't think enough good thoughts or, or uh, I've had too much sin in my life. Or we, we lie to ourselves sometimes and we think God can't use us. There's no place for us in the kingdom. God doesn't have a purpose for us. That's a lie. That's a lie of the enemy because the Bible says the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now it gets better, right? So verse 10, so he was in the world. He's thinking about Jesus. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, right? Here's where it gets good. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we've seen this very interesting progression about the light, right? right? The light the light has come into the darkness. The light overcomes the darkness. The light has been offered to everyone regardless of the color of your skin or your language or where you were born or how much money you make or how much sin you've committed in your life up to that point. The gospel is for everybody. And then truth number three, the most beautiful picture of this text of scripture, the light of Christ brings salvation to all who believe. Did you know that? The light of Christ brings salvation to all who believe. Now there's a sad passage there in verse 10. I want you to see it just for a second. Because the Bible says, speaking of Jesus, he was in the world, now watch this, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. I was talking to a lady, and this is, this is, uh, this last Wednesday night, I was talking to a lady Wednesday night at Wednesday night dinner just before the mission celebration. 
and we're talking about uh, a, a little girl she had a conversation with. And I won't tell you the story of how we got to this point, but she's talking to this 9 or 10-year-old girl who's from Texas, and she's telling this little girl uh, about the Bible. She said something about the Bible. And this little girl, now this is Texas. This little girl said, what's, what's the Bible? Can you imagine? Like We, we live kind of in the, the buckle of the Bible belt, so to speak, and so it's kind of foreign to us that nobody would understand the Bible or understand Christ. But listen, you need to understand the, the world out there exists, and there are a lot of people that have never heard the name Jesus. And we see it in Scripture, right? He was in the world, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Yet to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Right? Salvation is found only through Christ. And the way you get it is not by being good enough or smart enough or having a big enough house or saying the right things or paying enough money. The way you get it is by repenting of your sins, believing in your heart, and trusting in Christ. That's the picture of the gospel. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when you do that, the Bible says he gives you the right to become children of God. You know, this time of year, we, we think about the, the birth of Jesus, and we think about the manger, and we think about the stable, and the shepherds, and the wise men, and all those things are true and good, and we should think about them, but never lose sight of the fact that Jesus was born so that he could die. He was born in that stable so he could grow up to be a man and give his life on the cross for your sins. 1739, Charles Wesley, who's the brother of John Wesley, wrote a hymn, and I want to read it to you. It's a Christmas song now, and we use it to celebrate the birth of Christ. But I want you to listen to the words of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We're going to sing it here in just a second. I want you to listen to these words. Christ by heaven, highest adored Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And I pray that you would see the glory of Christ this Christmas season. I pray that you would experience it. And I pray that if you're here this morning, you've never received the forgiveness that Christ offered. If you've never received that light in the midst of your darkness, that you'd let me explain to you how you can do it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the light of Christ that shines in the darkness we thank you that the light always overcomes the darkness, that the, the light is for everyone, and that all who believe will be saved. Praise your name for that, Father. Praise your name for that, Father. Open our eyes to that truth of who you are. Use us for the sake of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand during our time of invitation. This is just a chance for you to respond. We're going to sing. You can come and pray. You can come speak to me. But you come as we sing together this morning.